RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. But as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Red Pill News Live. Thank you so much to Too Quick over on Rumble, who is now a monthly supporter. I hope that you had a great Father's Day as well, and if you're not a father yourself, then hopefully you were able to spend it with your own father. Thank you very much for joining us today, guys. We have a lot to discuss. Obviously, I wasn't able to do my normal shows over the weekend. We did a bit of an impromptu show on Friday, but then Saturday, turns out my guest had spent the last couple of weeks in the hospital. He was absolutely unable to come on the show, so we are doing it again in the future. I'm really excited about that guest in particular. Ryan, if you're listening, thank you very much for uh, uh, taking care of yourself, buddy. We need people like you out there. All right. Also, if anybody has any contacts at Twitter, you can help me out. Uh, They definitely have me banned from creating live videos over there. Uh, They have this like circuitous loop that you go through trying to find help files that are supposed to lead you to the pages where you can actually go live. None of it exists for me. Uh, I have verified on my phone and on my computer that I simply do not have the options available to let me do it. So we are live on the Foxhole. My boys, Matt and Matt, thank you so much for supporting free speech. And then, of course, our friends over there on Rumble, rumble.com forward slash redpill78. Very soon, I think we might be trying out Kick as well. So make sure you get signed up, sit back, relax and grab your popcorn because we're going to be right back after this. Just as King Charles III of Britain has a crown with the timeless wealth of gold, you too can enrich your future with the enduring value of a gold IRA. Like those precious crowns, a gold IRA doesn't tarnish over time, and it certainly shines brighter in economic turmoil. You see, it's a hedge against inflation and stability in volatile markets. And this month, the first quarter-ounce gold standard bullion coin ever issued with Charles III's image can be yours with your own qualifying gold IRA or 401k rollover of $50,000 or higher. You just can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments. So hurry up and head to my special website, redpill78gold.com to secure your wealth. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Good evening. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And let me just start by saying on the Foxhole and Pilled, thank you very much to uh, Just Duckies for getting it started with a cookie. Asti Wallace says, I hope you had a great Father's Day yesterday. I hope you did as well. And then Victoria Lee, who says, keep up the great work. Thank you very, very much, you guys. All right. So uh, as I was saying in the introduction, there's a new streaming service called Kick, and uh, apparently They are very focused on free speech. It's actually like a replacement for Twitch. And to be honest with you, since Twitch banned me for no reason at all, anything I can do to assist in the uh, downfall of that company and costing Jeff Bezos a couple of buckaroos, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So do me a favor, head on over to Kick, 
get uh, signed up, get yourself an account, because if something happens on any of these other platforms, we'll be using it as a backup. And I might actually try to play video games over there or something, because I do occasionally play video games, however rarely. Either way, uh, thank you very much, and uh, we're going to get started here. So how many of you here today have heard the news recently that there was massive military movement taking place all across the United States. Now, uh, I have, for about a week now, I have heard various reports from people either online or people sending me emails um, suggesting that they have noticed anomalous military activity. And I haven't said anything um, simply because I've been doing this for so long. I, I've just kind of recognized the patterns that Although it's not something you see all the time, there definitely is movement of equipment and troops. Uh, and of course, you know, there are National Guard exercises uh, that take place, I think, you know, once a month in every single state. So uh, at least once a month, you're going to see some type of uh, military activity. Now, the, the the size, the intensity, those are the things that I really am not certain about. My friend Jason Dean, uh, who has his own platform, Brave TV, um, he joined us here on the on the show a couple of months ago. He said he's actually got a friend in the military who told him that the activity that we're seeing is not your average everyday military movements. They're not just doing exercises. They're not just uh, moving things around. I have seen some people pointing to this and saying, oh, you know, this is it. Get ready. Uh, the Internet's going to go out. Uh, make sure you have all your money pulled out of the bank. I'm not saying anything like that. Um Hopefully, since you're a viewer of this program, you are already prepared in the event that something crazy were to happen. Uh, certainly, you don't want to get caught with your pants down if uh, the Luftwaffen show up at your front door <clears throat> or if they shut the Internet off and shut the, uh, the, the, the modes of communication off. So just, you know, have some cash on hand. Make sure you got some precious metals. Make sure that you have uh, enough food and clean water to last you. And I think that everybody here will be fine. Now, uh, Jason had this very interesting uh, report that he put out on his channels. I, I believe it was earlier today or it was late yesterday, but essentially saying that uh, we may be looking at some type of soft martial law going into place. Now, this is the kind of thing that it's it's impossible to verify because I don't have anybody currently in the military who's telling me that this is uh, valid at all. But I do see other people latching onto it. And so basically, I just wanted to remind everybody um, to maintain that like level of cautious optimism so that it doesn't bite you in the ass because – how many times have people said this is it? You know, we're we're in we're in the midst of it now. Here's the storm and it's it's arrived and we're going to basically see the roundup and everybody's going to get mo. It's happened so many times and I'm just kind of over it. Uh, I am most interested in what I can see, what I can validate, and what we can actually analyze. And there has been, in the last week, uh, a number of uh, instances of strange things that have taken place across the United States uh, and then also around the world. There was actually, in the last week, this uh, historic NATO movement of troops with uh, a, a hundred or so U.S. planes that began in Germany and uh, and traveled across Europe. Now, I tend to think that this NATO exercise, which is, by the way, the largest NATO exercise in history, uh, may have something to do with the kind of 
propositioning ourselves as a potential foe uh, to China or to Russia. Certainly, you know, the, 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 the suits in charge, they want to make it appear as if the United States is militarily ready. Um, there are undoubtedly very talented people <clears throat> inside the U.S. armed forces. Uh, but as a result of the woke policies of this current administration, I would say that the military is anything but ready. Uh, and, you know, we've got a lot of equipment. We've got a lot of planes. We have a, a lot of heavy artillery. Uh, so maybe the movement that people were was seeing throughout the United States in the last week, maybe that had something to do with this NATO exercise taking place in Germany. Not certain, but I would love to hear from you guys uh, if you have any particular insights or you've seen anything by all means, please reach out to me. Now, one thing that I can also say for sure has happened uh, in the last week, and actually it's it's something that's been ongoing, um, but it kind of came to a head in the last week. Um, a, uh, a hacking group, apparently by the name of Clog, uh, who had injected a um, ransomware uh, ransomware virus into computers, both in the federal government and in local and, and state government agencies and uh, also institutions. Um, th this has been an ongoing thing for a while. And about six months ago, there was a Russian that was charged. And then uh, just uh, a couple of days ago, the DOJ charged another Russian national for his involvement in this Lockbit ransomware attack. Now, uh, this is apparently the most prolific ransomware group in the history of the world. I read something like they have uh, been able to uh, uh, blackmail people and governments for something like $91 million. So, I mean, it's, it's nothing to scoff at. Like, these guys, they definitely know what they're doing. Um, but the uh, severity of this attack was not initially admitted by the United States government. They, When they first brought this story out, they said, well, some of our agencies have been hit in this global cyber attack. But here's the thing. I mean, we've seen cyber attacks and ransomware attacks happen, you know, all over the place. And if Systems are connected. It's fairly easy for them to spread. Um, and, I mean, the United States government, they're going to have a lot of interconnected systems. So uh, the uh, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency was providing several federal agencies uh, with assistance as they were affected by MoveIt, uh, which they are urgently hoping to understand the impacts of so that they can remediate it. Um, they said that aside from U.S. government agencies, several hundred companies and organizations in the U.S. could be affected by this hacking spree. Uh, and, of course, CISA is working on it. Now, uh, CLOP, again, is that group. They are the gang that is allegedly responsible for this. Um, and it's kind of interesting, uh, makes you wonder just how large this gang is. If they, they got one of the guys six months ago, they got another guy a couple of days ago, and then we have this ongoing ransomware attack that continues. Um, is it just a self-propagating thing that a couple of guys are doing, or is this a large, organized hacking ring uh, with um, very sophisticated infrastructure? I mean, maybe they are a state sponsored type of hacking group. Who knows? Um, but I will tell you this. One of the federal agencies uh, that was hit hardest in this was the Department of Energy. Uh, now, they claim that the hacks have not had significant impacts on any of these federal civilian agencies uh, and that they are largely opportunistic in using software flaws 
to break into networks. However, as time went on and more information started to come out, uh, what began as a small number of federal agencies being breached by this ransomware attack began uh, to increase in size and scope. You guys remember uh, the solar winds hack or compromise rather that uh, took place back into the, uh, what was it, 2020, 2021, uh, where a whole bunch of stuff was uh, was breached. A whole bunch of uh, various agencies were breached. Uh, the Office of uh, Personnel Management in 2015 lost millions of security clearance records. We also had that Colonial Pipeline hack back in 2021. Uh, and it looks like maybe they're all tied to the same Russian hacking group. Um, now, I said uh, several hundred um, civilian agencies were hit. That includes uh, schools, businesses, and then other government agencies. Um, and as of Friday, they said they actually didn't really know the full scope of this hack. But it's obviously big enough that they are going after the founders of the group and uh, they are actively seeking to head this off before it gets any worse. Um, uh, state agencies said on Thursday that millions Millions of people in Louisiana and Oregon had their data compromised in a security breach. Now, they claim to not blame anyone in particular, but the government is attributing the CLOP group to be the ones who actually did it. Uh, the target apparently was those federal and state agencies, the Department of Energy, as stated. Um, we also have the state governments of Minnesota and Illinois that have been affected. Uh, on Thursday, state agencies also said that 3.5 million Oregonians with driver's licenses or state ID cards had been impacted by a breach as well. Uh, and then, of course, as I said, it's hitting companies. We have uh, the BBC, uh, British Airways that is also being hit. Uh, also, uh, a cybersecurity firm named Emsisoft. Uh, they claim that uh, the hackers have also listed Aon and the Boston Globes as their victims as well. Uh, this cybersecurity agency says, by my count, there are now 63 known and confirmed victims, plus an unspecified number of U.S. government agencies. So although the U.S. government doesn't want to admit just how widespread and uh, bad this hack is, we may have a clue in that they just this morning announced uh, a $10 million tip for any information about the CLOP ransomware software package. Uh, they issued this notice as part of their Rewards for Justice program. Uh, this is a program obviously designed uh, to uh, collect information related to various types of dangerous malware, uh, and these in particular because it's currently ongoing and has affected a whole number of state and federal agencies. But the, the U.S. government is willing to offer up to a $10 million reward for information that leads to the identification or location of any individual who's engaged in criminal activities while working on behalf of a foreign government. See, there's the catcher. If it turns out that these guys are not working for a foreign government, would the hacker or would the tipper get that $10 million? Something tells me that the United States government is going to do whatever they can not to pay that $10 million. But obviously, if it leads straight back to Russia, then they're just, they're just going to love it. They're going to be all over it. Um, so over the past few months, this CLOP ransomware has kind of uh, been, been brewing. It's been exploiting systems that use the MoveIt file transfer application. Uh, it exploits a, an SQL injection vulnerability, and the FBI and CISA published a security advisory offering affected organizations a number of recommendations and mitigation strategies to defend themselves. 
Um, they began exploiting this attack after injecting it for a while uh, on May 27th, just in time for Memorial Day. Uh, and they started extracting files from hundreds of private companies. And that would also include the federal government and state governments as well. Um, this clop gang uh, initiated then an extortion phase, uh, and they've done this by listing the compromised company's information on Tor in a data leak. If the affected organizations do not comply with the ransom demand, uh, then those stolen files will get leaked online. Now, as far as I know, the United States government does not um, – uh, uh, engage in uh, negotiations with terrorists or or with hackers. So if there's U.S. government data out there, it's just going to end up out there, and uh, we're unfortunately probably going to have to live with it. But I would be interested to know if anybody out here has uh, received any type of communication from a company or from their state government or any federal agencies that lets you know whether or not you've been affected by one of these various hacks. Um, but I'd like to conclude this section by saying that uh, with the with, with the, the, the two things in common, the, the, the reports of movement of military equipment and troops all, across, all around the country, and then at the same time, this it looks to be a widespread vulnerability in uh, many different federal and state agencies as well as um, uh, personal you know, businesses, private companies. Those two things may have something to do with each other, and that's exactly what Jason had suggested this morning. So I, anyways, I'm going to keep my eyes on it. That's for sure. Uh, but I'm not going to let anything uh, get me all twisted up because we've got so many things to pay attention to. Uh, let me just real quick say thank you very much over here on the foxhole to Sean Joe. I appreciate that cookie, my friend. Mountain Lace says, check out Monkey Works channel. He breaks this all down with troops in cities. Okay. Mike from Montana. Thank you very much for the can. NX17. Love you, RP. I love you too, my friend. Sean Joe, thanks again for that cookie. Thick Ray says, uh, keep up the good fight. Hashtag the truth is loose. The truth is loose. Thank you very much. And then Trump Red Pill One says, very interesting. Yeah, it is. It is very interesting. It's a, it's a compelling subject to think about. And uh, obviously, there's nothing I would like more than to see some type of uh, military action taking place because currently we are under occupation as far as I'm concerned. We are sitting in an illegitimate country, a banana republic that is being run by usurpers, criminal actors that have used the United States as their own personal piggy bank. They act in a mob capacity running organized crime, pay for play. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, I wanted to make sure that we discuss the latest in the case against President Trump down here in the Southern District of Florida. So like clockwork, we had suggested this might be a possibility. Uh, the judge in the case, or a judge in the case, uh, has uh, deemed that President Trump must not disclose any evidence in classified documents case. So whereas when a normal person gets discovery of the evidence, the supposed evidence against them, uh, then they can go out and, and they can they can use that in any way that they want to. Now, President Trump will not be able to talk about any of this stuff because obviously they're going to claim that it's all classified. He is unable to discuss the contents of any of these documents or the evidence that is being used against him 
in public that effectively limits the type of conversation he can have around this. Now, he's a very intelligent man. He has very intelligent legal representation. They're not going to allow him to say something that's going to get him in trouble. But this federal judge earlier today had approved the protective order that was sought by special counsel Jack Smith to keep President Trump from disclosing any sensitive information in this classified documents case. He wanted to ensure that President Trump uh, or or also Walt Nauta, neither of them, uh, would be able to disclose any of the data contained in the cases against them during the discovery process. Now, of course, discovery is the point at which uh, the two cases, the two sides come together. They say, you know, what do you have? Uh, If you are the prosecution, it is your uh, it is your duty Uh, to disclose any information that may exonerate the person you're trying to put in prison. That's called Brady material, exculpatory material. Uh, LKW Cross says, love your show, Zach. What does that mug say? The mug says, sorry, I was on mute. Hold on, watch this. Look at this, guys. Sorry, I was on mute. Do you like this? Isn't this cool? I got this camera looking down just at at my hands so that uh, if I need to show you something, I can do that pretty easily. Hmm. Yes, thank you for funding the wedding fund. I appreciate that. Yes, if you guys wouldn't mind, please, if you hit the like button and if you share the show, it will help me get on the leaderboard on Rumble. And uh, of course, you know, having as many eyes on the truth as possible uh, using my unique brand of analytics and uh, and, and dissection of these issues, I, I, I would think it would be helpful for a lot of people. <clears throat> so I don't believe that any of the information contained in any of these documents uh, are substantially going to place the United States in danger. Um, Certainly, it is an effort to stop President Trump from discussing his case outside of a very narrow set of parameters. Uh, You know, and I think that uh, the argument about Jack Smith is still open. There are people who swear that he is 100% patriot. He's on Trump's side. I find that difficult to believe, but, you know, stranger things have happened. So we'll see what occurs from this. I mean, is it possible Jack Smith knows that the only way to fix this country is to tear it down by uh, pushing Donald Trump into prison? Yeah, maybe. Very. It's it's possible. You know, I mean, a lot of things are possible, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, but in this protective order, uh, the judge says that Trump and Nauta shall not disclose the discovery materials or their contents directly or indirectly to any person or entity other than persons employed to assist in the defense, persons who are intertwined as potential witnesses, counsel for potential witnesses, and other persons to whom the court may authorize disclosure. Uh, In seeking the order on Friday, Jack Smith and his team of prosecutors said that the materials in this case include sensitive and confidential information. That includes personal, identifiable information, information that reveals investigative techniques, non-public information relating to potential witnesses, and personal information contained on electric devices and accounts. Probably many of these things were communications that Walt and, uh, and President Trump made with a number of different people in their lives. I mean, this is basically telling somebody that they can't talk about the contents of their own office uh, because we're going to use everything against you. So 
The special counsel also said that the materials include information pertaining to ongoing investigations, the disclosure of which would compromise those investigations and identify uncharged individuals. That part is a little bit interesting to me because the the uh, one of the main ideas here is that President Trump was seeking to preserve all of the evidence from Spygate, from Russiagate, from Hillary Clinton's email gate, and perhaps from a whole host of other illegal activities and operations that the Obama administration and the people underneath the Obamas were working on as well. Who knows? There could be information in there pertaining to not only the Clinton crime family, but also the Biden crime family. Uh, And that would certainly be an investigation that is ongoing. We know there is the ongoing Delaware special counsel investigation looking into Hunter Biden and uh, his particular brand of criminal activity. So, I I'm I am cautiously optimistic when it comes to this story. Now, there is also the possibility uh, that it has something to do with another case against President Trump. And uh, I'm going to bring that up right now because it's a little distressing. And I know it's maybe something you guys have considered already, but there is the possibility that President Trump could be charged in line with uh, the events of January 6th. I know, stop me if you've heard this one, it's a really, really thin and flimsy idea, but obviously these people are willing to do anything and everything to stop Donald Trump dead in his tracks, to keep him out of the White House and to stop him from assisting we the people in bringing our country back to some sense of of, uh, normalcy. But Bill Barr has continued his whistle stop interview uh, highlight tour all across America. And he says that he believes that it's likely President Trump will be indicted over January 6th. Now, we have seen time and time again how the federal government will uh, use the full power, might, and, uh, and, and resources to go after average, everyday American citizens. Uh, and President Trump is uh, just one such citizen. They have been dreaming about putting President Trump in prison and blaming him with some type of armed insurrection. Well, now that they have the charges against and the convictions against a number of high-profile January 6th defendants, uh, it's likely that they will say, well, this person engaged in seditious conspiracy. President Trump directed them to commit seditious conspiracy. It's not true. It didn't happen at all. Uh, But even if they're able to successfully do that, it's only going to be good for President Trump and uh, his 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 persona in the eyes of the people. Um, So I don't know what they believe him to be charged with specifically. But Barr said uh, in regards to was Trump arraigned in the records case? Do you believe he is a target potentially in the January 6th case? He said, yes. And by the way, I defended him on cases that I think are unfair, like the one up in New York and so forth. I think the January 6th case will be a hard case to make because of First Amendment interest. I'm glad to hear Bill Barr say that. But I am actually beginning to think that they will pull the trigger on that. I would expect it to be this summer. And he added, because of the First Amendment interests, we don't want to get in a position where people can't complain about an election. I am more skeptical of that case, but I think it is likely that it will be brought. I tend to agree with him here. Uh, I don't think anything is going to stop these people. There is nothing that is off the table. Uh, They will use every single tool in their tool belt if it means destroying Donald J. Trump and stopping him from coming back to Washington, D.C. Certainly another federal case in a different jurisdiction, uh, one that uh, they could 
easily win by placing it in, say, Washington, D.C., uh, can you imagine that would be the wet dream of a D.C. Democrat jury to put Donald Trump in prison? They would be all over it so fast. And the people of America will be up in arms if that happens. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So Catherine Herridge also had a bit of insight uh, discussing President Trump's legal strategy uh, and uh, and how she believes he's going to proceed. So. She's actually got sources uh, on President Trump's legal team, very close to their inner circle. Uh, and she said that this, the strategy they're looking for is to get a look under the hood of Jack Smith's case. I think that this is a great idea. Uh, their case can easily be made with the cracks in Jack Smith's case, uh, such as the special language that we were talking about them using in the indictment the other day, the idea of classified information. Well, was it a classified document at the time that President Trump had it in his in his, uh, his 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 back room or in the ballroom or whatever, or was it just information that had previously been classified? Because that's a very important distinction. Now, Catherine Herridge says that Trump's lawyers uh, are uh, looking for a motion to dismiss, of course, based on the allegations of prosecutorial misconduct, uh, and they are hoping to get excluded the notes from Trump's lawyer, Eric Corcoran. I mean, that was uh, that alone, I would imagine, would be enough in a normal court to disqualify this case because they forced President Trump's attorney uh, to break attorney client privilege. Uh, Eric Corcoran, I don't know if he's is he, are they going to let him keep his law license? I don't know. But either way. Uh, Herridge says that uh, the notes pertaining to Trump from Corcoran are more than 40 pages in length. So I think that rightfully so, President Trump should be able to have that fully excluded from the material that is presented in uh, in the special counsel's case down in Florida. Listen, uh, Surter says, Zach, uh, in other words, trap sprung. Looks like the hidden shall come to light. Oh, yeah, that's all they've been doing. They've just been exposing themselves this entire time. You know, this is one of the reasons I am not, like, uh, uncomfortable. I am, I, I am very comfortable in this whole thing. And I have said for years you know, take a look at President Trump. Does this man look like he believes that he's going to go to prison for the rest of his life? Does he look like he believes America is done for? No, not at all. Uh, President Trump always has that wry smile. He's always full of uh, piss and vinegar. Uh, the man is uh, floating on cloud nine. And as a result of his efforts and uh, what he's helped us to uncover uh, together, we have exposed these people in a way that they have never been exposed before. Very, very happy about this. Listen, you guys, we are going to be right back. We've got to take a break for the second half of the show. So please stick around. We'll see you in a moment. If you're thinking about heading to Binance or you already have an account there, or maybe you're going to open a crypto account at some other large global exchange, I want you to stop and instead head on over to MyDigitalMoney.com. Now, why is that? Well, because last month it was revealed that Binance has been co-mingling customer funds, at least in 2020 and 2021. This is a clear breach of U.S. financial rules that require that customer money be kept separate from company revenue. Now, by Binance has actually denied mixing these funds, but the SEC has another thought in mind. Now, if this sounds familiar, it's because this is the same exact situation that FTX was in that led to its epic downfall, taking $8.9 billion in customer funds with it. And this is why my digital money keeps your assets with a qualified custodian under your name. When you invest with my digital money, your funds are completely secure. It will never be commingled with company funds. And in fact, no 
matter what happens to my digital money, your funds will always be safe. Because you see, my digital money complies with regulations, regulations that are designed to protect you and your funds. So if you want to invest in cryptocurrency, invest with my digital money. Head on over to MyDigitalMoney.com by clicking the link in the description box below. Or you can give them a call at 833-636-2008. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Welcome back. Thank you very much for sticking around, everyone. I see uh, somebody asking in the chat about uh, Thomas. I think Thomas ended up taking uh, either Sunday or maybe both Saturday and Sunday off for Father's Day. Um and, um, and yeah, and so if you missed Thomas over the weekend, then that must have been it. Um, he actually texted me earlier, and I haven't uh, I haven't spoken to him. Uh, I'd also like to thank uh, Lisa for saying in the chat that we need to pray for Matt Couch. Matt's in the hospital. He went to the hospital last week. He was rushed to the ER on Wednesday. They released him on Friday. We spoke on Saturday. And he said that he should not have gone home. Um, he was retaining weight, water weight from some medication. Um, and then this morning, he let me know that they had taken him back to the hospital. He's got blood clots in his legs, in his heart. Uh, and they said that he might lose his foot. So Matt is it's in serious need of every single prayer warrior out there, you guys. Please Pray hard for Matt, his family, his children. Uh, they need him around. And Matt is truly a, a warrior in this battle. He's been around for a long time. He put his own neck on the line. He got sued by the DNC, got sued by Seth Rich's family. Uh, you know, this has been uh, a, a major, major detriment to his life. You know, I mean, it took it took over. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, a lot of times people end up getting wrapped up in trying to make sure that people get the truth and they don't look at the other things that are happening. And I, I don't know if he didn't take care of himself because he's been so focused on this or if this is some uh, overriding issue that he only just learned about. But Either way, I really care about Matt, and uh, I hope that even if you don't care for Matt, that you can find it in your heart to pray for him and uh, and to pray for his family, because uh, we need this man. We need this man here. So thank you very, very much, guys. All right. So continuing on, I just need to say thank you very much uh, to Boise Blanc 89 for dropping that cookie. Thank you very much, Boise Blanc. All right, so let's go ahead and move past the Catherine Herridge information. Um, and uh, we have what is essentially a Freudian slip coming from that wacky Virgin Islands uh, delegate, not even a, an elected representative, the, the, the Democrat ranking member of that House Weaponization Committee. She was speaking on, I believe it was Meet the Press, and uh, she let it slip that they want President Trump to be shot. Let's go ahead and listen. This is, uh, remember, this is somebody who's sitting in Congress on one of the most important committees currently in action today. Having Trump not only have had the codes, but now having the classified information for Americans and being able to put that out and share it in his resort with anyone and everyone who comes through should be terrifying to all Americans mm -hmm. and he needs to be shot, stopped. Having Trump. He needs to be shot. Does, is there anybody here who doesn't believe that she fully believes that Donald Trump needs to be shot? These people hate 
President Trump with every fiber of their being, not just because they are politically aligned uh, or misaligned uh, or ideologically misaligned, but because President Trump's brand of politics and ideology is a uh, is an existential threat to them even continuing on to exist into the future. You know, they are pushing us closer and closer to a conflict, and we came very close to it in the summer of 2020. However, the normal Americans uh, were able to, uh, to to keep themselves contained. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future? These people are hoping to push America to the breaking point. Uh, I sincerely hope that everybody here is uh, ready and prepared to protect yourself and protect your family, but do not allow yourself to be used and uh, and positioned to be used as a tool of the deep state. That message saying President Trump needs to be shot may have been a Freudian slip, but it was also a communication to all the left-wing radicals out there who would see it and suggest, oh gosh, Stacey Plaskett, she said President Trump needs to be shot. We need to go ahead and get that done. Probably in the same way that she wanted to sick the uh, IRS and the FBI on the very journalists who were out there reporting the truth. The truth is dangerous to someone like Plaskett. Uh, So she said that MAGA Republicans are a threat to the rule of law in America while sitting in this committee here. Uh, I would counter that and say that Stacey Plaskett and her extreme brand of ideological uh, political division is what's the true threat to the rule of law in America. We are interested in consuming the rights and responsibilities afforded to us by the Constitution. We want to implement the rule of law. We want people to pay for the crimes they've committed. However, someone like Stacey Plaskett is actually the one who is stopping us from being able to implement the law. Under Democrat rule in many major cities all throughout America, uh, the rule of law has been eroded. They have decided to stop charging people for certain things. Uh, for other crimes, there's a uh, – there's a, a, a. do you guys remember – I think it was like a month or two ago. A couple of bandits at a Home Depot stole like, uh, like a Milwaukee drill charger and they actually took it out to the car and then they went back in and they shot the loss prevention officer. Shot him dead. Killed him right there. Executed him on the floor of the Home Depot. The woman who pulled the trigger is currently sitting in jail, um, but the manner in which she's being charged, she's not getting charged with first-degree murder or even second-degree murder or even manslaughter. Like, it's just a basic weapons charge, and she's looking at five years. She's also a felon. She wasn't supposed to have a gun. Uh, This is what happens when you remove the rule of law. It's not – the extreme right wing. It's not MAGA Republicans that are destroying the rule of law in America. Stacey Plaskett, it's you. It's your Democrat cronies. It's your left wing radicals that are running these offices all across America, pretending, masquerading to be prosecutors or county attorneys. George Soros paid and bought. These people are the ones who are destroying this nation. Not us. Not us, Stacey. Not us. So continuing on from that, as I said earlier, if President Trump is, in fact, indicted again for January 6th, placed in prison, anything happens to him at all, all it's going to do 
is push him to the top of everyone's mind and for their support. Now, a new breaking poll has shown that currently President Trump is the most popular politician in the country. That's among all Democrats, all Republicans. RFK Jr. is also apparently the most popular Democrat. Now, Trump is leading Biden by six points in a rematch. I don't know who put that poll out, but I'm sure they're going to tell us down here. Oh, it's the Harvard Cap Harris poll. So you can bet that that's at least double digits over and above whatever it is. But 45% favorability rating for President Trump, along with RFK Jr., who also has a 45% approval rating. Elon Musk has a 45% approval rating. So I don't know that he's actually running for office or anything. And Bernie Sanders is beating Joe Biden. Um, That should tell you everything you need to know. Uh, Obviously, Bernie Sanders, it should have been him and Trump going head to head back in 2016. But they stole that election from good old Bernie. Uh, 45% favorable rating. Uh, He did have a 48% unfavorable. There's a three-point gap. But... When it looks, uh, but that's because of just how divisive the country is. Mitch McConnell is less favored than Donald Trump. (laughs) It's pretty crazy how basically half and half of the country, you've got half the country in these polls, at least, that absolutely loves and adores Donald Trump, understand the job that he's doing. Then you've got the other half who are just under the spell. Now, obviously, it's a Harvard poll. It's only going to be so reliable. Uh, They often will oversample in Democrat areas. They will take uh, um, survey respondents from people who are registered Democrats, you know, rather than making sure they get uh, a broad spectrum of people. But right now, according to Harvard, if President Trump and Joe Biden were to go head to head, President Trump would beat him. Uh, And uh, we have 55 percent of Americans who believe that the indictment against President Trump is a political hatchet job. Imagine how much that's going to raise if they indict him a second time for the non-criminal actions of January 6th. Free speech. I mean, they've been trying to criminalize free speech for years now. Uh, And if they do it with President Trump... You know, I mean, I I can't think of a clearer sign that America is a goner. She's done for. Okay. Um, Huh. Honey, are you getting into it with somebody in the chat? I don't know. All right. Um, Oh, no, is my... No, I I thought it was frozen, but it's not actually frozen. I was reading the chat. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, Uh, so continuing on, uh, people like Donald Trump, but they don't like Joe Biden. And as we recognize that Donald Trump is being politically persecuted, more and more people are also realizing that Joe Biden is directly involved in the family business. We now have more voters who are believing that Donald Trump, excuse me, we have more voters who believe that Joe Biden is somehow involved in the family's foreign business dealings. This is from another poll. Now, uh, when it comes to public pronouncements, of course, Joe has always denied any involvement in his family's business dealings. He denied even talking to Hunter Biden about these deals. However, we now know that to be not true. Uh, Polling shows that the public's belief of Joe Biden's involvement is only getting stronger by the day. So in April of 2022, 
58% of voters told this pollster that Joe Biden played a role in his family business. In September of 2022, 62% told Rasmussen that Joe Biden likely consulted and perhaps profited from the Biden family business deals. Wow, I wonder what it's going to be today. Months later, another Harvard poll released in February still found that 62% of voters believe that Joe Biden was involved in the family business. Now, a new Harvard-Harris-X poll from June shows 66% of voters believe Joe Biden at least discussed business with his son. This is an uptick among those who say that Biden played at least some role in the family business. That's third, two-thirds, two-thirds of the country right now across Democrats and Republicans. Isn't that interesting that the red is 66 and uh, the 34 is blue? I wonder if that is uh, an indication of what they they believe, that more Republicans exist. Um, So this is a, a compelling statistic because, again, in a Harvard poll, they're going to oversample for Democrats. So you would think that you would get a more favorable result for Joe Biden. However, that's simply not the case. Most people believe that Joe Biden is a crook, that this man was involved in all of this illegal pay-to-play schemes. He was getting money hand over fist. And it turns out, remember that $10 million bribe? Well, it turns out that a source involved in this whole sordid affair says it wasn't just any bribe. It was actually a coercive bribe. That's right. The Bidens actually coerced this Burisma executive to pay $10 million in bribes. If you'll remember when the story initially came out, the Burisma executive uh, made statements to the effect of, oh, this is how business is done. We'll do this to take care of you. However, it looks like they specifically induced him to give them these $10 million in bribes. Now, this is from a source familiar with that FBI 1023 document, which has been given to Congress and has been confirmed to a number of news outlets. So we had the $5 million bribe from the Ukrainian oligarch. We have uh, Mikola Zlachevsky, who paid Hunter and Joe and then took the 17 audio recordings of his conversation as an insurance policy. Now we have this new source who is coming forward to say that not only was the bribe made, but it was coerced by by the Bidens on Zlachevsky, made him pay it. So they are confirming uh, what the Federalist reported, a detailed timeline of events between Zlachevsky and the Bidens, in which Zlachevsky allegedly told the FBI informant, who is that confidential human source who's been in use since the Obama years, that uh, the Bidens used coercion to rake in $10 million. So on June 30th, 2020, the CHS summarized earlier meetings he had with Zlachevsky. According to CHS, in 2015-2016, the CHS, who was providing advice to Zlachevsky, told the Burisma owner to stay away from the Bidens. Then, after Trump defeated Hillary in 2016, the CHS asked Zlachevsky if he was upset that Trump won. Of course, Zlachevsky allegedly told the CHS that he was dismayed at President Trump's victory. He feared an investigation would reveal his paid payments to the Biden crime family, which included the $5 million payment to Hunter, the $5 million payment to Joe, and according to the CHS, Zlachevsky bemoaned the situation, claiming the Bidens had coerced him into paying the bribes. He's like, it's not bad enough. They took $10 million. They made me give them $10 million. 
They, he, the CHS responded that he hoped that Zlachevsky had taken precautions to protect himself. Zlachevsky then allegedly detailed the steps he had taken to avoid detection, stressing that he never paid the big guy directly and that it would take some 10 years to unravel the various money trails. It was only then that Zlachevsky mentioned the audio recordings he had made of his conversations that he had with Hunter and Joe, according to the confidential human source. I cannot wait to get my hands on those conversations. I would like to see it. Mm. Hello, Cherokee Skies. Thank you very much for hanging out today. Glad you're here. Um, let me say thank you to Nikaz808. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for bringing the news. What will Baseless be about tonight? Tonight on Baseless Conspiracies, John and I are doing a Twitter Spaces. We're actually going to be doing a call-in where you can call, ask us questions about your favorite Baseless Conspiracies, and of course, we're going to be getting ideas for future episodes of Baseless Conspiracies. So this is going to be a collaborative effort between us and the audience. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Trump Red Pill 1, thank you for the cookie. And J2 Dank, thank you for the cookie. I appreciate it. So here's the thing. Although Zlachevsky believed it would take 10 years to unravel the $10 million in payments, it actually took less because Congress has the goods. Ted Cruz is also asking about an additional mystery $10 million that was paid in 2017. Now, apparently, this is coming from Joe and Jill Biden's tax returns. Uh, this is in addition to the $10 million that Joe and Hunter were paid from another deal that they made with the Barismas. Uh, the uh, House Republicans are looking for tax returns of Celtic Capri Corp and Giacapa Corp. Because apparently that's where the five uh, and then a $10 million in total payments were pushed through. Uh, and then uh, also we're looking at additional uh, monetary sources. Uh, Joe got $12.2 million for a book deal. That book sold about 300,000 copies. Uh, the $12 million, we also got $4.2 million for Joe speaking. Uh, I can't believe that anybody would pay him any significant amount of money to come and speak at an event. I mean, the man is a mess. Um, so he's claiming that $8 million came from book royalties. Uh, let's do the math. If the book had a hardcover price of $27 a piece, $18 for the paperback, if you assume reasonable mix of sales, the average price was 23 On 300 books sold, the gross revenue everyone makes is just under $7 million. What Joe is alleging is that they paid him $8 million to generate $7 million. The book publisher lost a million dollars and got no money for printing the book. Now, typically, an author, if you were just receiving a royalty, would have received about 12%. A typical blended royalty, you get about 15%. Now, for hardcover, about 7.5% for paperback is typical. And if Joe was receiving 12% of $7 million, he would have yielded about 800000 However, he's claiming $8 million. How many times have we looked in the past at people like Joe Biden, at the Obamas, and they get many tens of millions of dollars for book deals. These are, again, payoffs that they are receiving for the actions they undertook while they were sitting in public office. Now, of course, Joe Biden and the pay-to-play scheme never stopped. Uh, he knew that at a certain point he was going to be running for um, president of the United States, and if he was to come back into the White House, uh, then he would be able to offer many 
many perks to a variety of criminals and uh, government agencies all around the world. So at the end of the day, we went from last week looking at about $10 million in total bribes. However, um, James Comer has revealed that it's actually two to three times that amount. We're talking 20 to $30 million in illicit payments total that have been found to date. Now, I guarantee you, 20 to $30 million is still just a drop in the bucket. The Biden crime family raked in far more money than that. This is not even including the money that Hunter was paid for working at uh, uh, Burisma. This is not including the money that uh, he was paid by uh, Patrick uh, Patrick Ho, if I'm not mistaken, the Chinese spy chief. Remember when Hunter left that message about his best friend, the Chinese spy chief, he was now missing. Uh, but 20 to $30 million is nothing to scoff at. It is, however, just a portion of the money that the Bidens were able to rape, rob, and pillage from various sources all across the world. Let's go ahead and listen to what James had to say about this. This is all true about a sitting president when he was vice president, influence peddling, accepting money from uh, foreign nationals so that he could turn around and, and, and make changes in policy uh, for America so he could pocket the money. If that's true, why isn't he impeached already? And if it's true that the FBI is doing nothing about it, why isn't Christopher Ray on his heels as well? Yeah, why not? Uh, those are great questions I ask every day. Look, Christopher Ray. Uh, has no control over the FBI. One thing that I've learned from dealing with Grassley's whistleblowers is that this is an, a, an organization in disarray. No one has confidence in leadership at the top. You have bureaucrats, deep state bureaucrats, who are running the show. They're partisan. They want to get Donald Trump. Uh, they don't care what Joe Biden does because Joe Biden can be controlled. So we have issues with the FBI, but my investigation is about following the money. We're going to continue to follow the money. And Maria, I can assure you there's more money that we're going to be able to identify that, that was transferred between foreign nationals in other countries and the Biden family. This is going to be hard for Joe Biden to explain, and it's not going to go away. This is going to be an issue. And I think eventually the mainstream media will, will turn on Joe Biden and start asking the real questions. What did your family do to receive all this money? What number are you up to now? How much have you identified of the money he's taken in from foreign we have more bank. We have more bank records coming in, but I, but we're going to exceed 10 million this okay. week. Right. And I think we'll get up between 20 and 30 million dollars. OK, thank you. All right. Uh, I think that 20 to 30 million dollars is just the start of the Biden crime families. Now, Maria Bartiromo made it an excellent point there. This is the biggest political scandal of the modern age. So why hasn't Joe Biden been impeached yet? Well, the ongoing impeachment proceedings are just a matter of uh, formality. They are coming out. Uh, this is going to happen. And over the weekend, Representative Greg Stubbe laid out exactly what we can expect. Let me get Greg's video clip pulled up here and let's go ahead and take a listen. That's right. And a number of your colleagues have also filed articles of impeachment against Joe Biden uh, because of this reason. What's the timing on the end of Comer's investigation and when you would actually see an impeachment trial? 
So in my discussions with him, the challenge is getting all this subpoena information and financial information from all these different LLCs and banks. So they basically laundered the money in all these different individual LLCs. So you have to do specific subpoenas to those specific LLCs bank records. So it's going to take some time. I would imagine probably the next 30 to 90 days before you're going to get that financial information back through the subpoenas. Um, so it should be in the next couple of months, hopefully by like fall, the Comer will have that information. They can move forward in the committee process to investigate it, bring the information before the American people. And I think we move forward with an impeachment proceedings. Yeah, but you're not going to get two thirds of the Congress to take this guy out of his job, right? I mean, the House could impeach Joe Biden uh, over this, but the Senate probably won't. You, you, you've got Democrats completely ignoring it and the media completely ignoring it. I mean, the media will not cover this story, even though these are the no. most serious allegations ever leveled against the president. I mean, you're talking about bribery of the vice president while he was sitting vice president, bribery right. of his family members. I mean, this would have been a Republican member of Congress. You'd be indicted already and sitting in prison. But because it's Joe Biden, the DOJ and the FBI, which is basically the enforcement arm of the Democratic Party now, is completely and utterly protecting him. We could get the votes into the House, but we'd have to get 60 votes in the Senate, like you said. But I would think that even like can, like moderate D's in the Senate, like a mansion or a cinema, would see the level of corruption here and be like, look, we can't stand for this before the American people. But unfortunately, uh, I don't think Democrats, the, the, you're probably not going to get eight of them or 10 of them to sign on uh, to removing the president of the United States just because of party politics, which is yeah. sad. Well, I think that if this was anyone else, of course, uh, Joe Biden, if it wasn't Joe Biden, he would be out of office. I'll look at that. I'd love to see that. My friend, the Storm Redu, right there, using uh, uh, the clips that this man has been able to pop out, doing great work. <clears throat> so, yes, uh, clearly the only reason that we haven't seen these people held to account yet is because of their position in the Democrat and deep state apparatus in Washington, D.C. They must be fully exposed and they must be removed from power and they must be put forth for justice. If we don't have that, then America will never be able to heal. Now, one possible way that could happen is through Joe Biden being removed as the candidate for uh, president of the United States. Right now, it looks like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is uh, a strong contender. Now, of course, he has said it himself, and I've said it before, the CIA likely could kill him. I mean, in the same way they killed his father and his uncle. Uh, and of course, if he were to be elected, I think that's unlikely. I think Trump is far more um, popular than Robert F. Kennedy Jr. But if he were to be elected, of course, he would be a, a great danger to the uh, the deep state security apparatus. But at the very least, the majority of America want to see a debate between RFK Jr. and Joe Biden. Why? Probably because it would be highly entertaining. We would get sound bites for days and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. would fully expose Joe Biden for the stumbling, mumbling, uh, really, uh, you know, sad state of a man uh, that he actually is. Um, this information is coming from the Convention of States, uh, who did a survey with the Trafalgar Group. Trafalgar Group does tend to do fairly good surveys. 
what they did was ask uh, respondents if the two leading Democrat candidates, Biden and Kennedy, should engage in the presidential debate process. And uh, across the board, over one third, uh, 77.5% said yes, uh, and that they should engage in debates. Uh, 15.6% said they should not. That 15.6% are the deep state swamp rats that want to push Joe Biden straight back into the Oval Office without any hesitation or hint of a uh, a challenge from anybody else. And then another 6.9% remained unsure. Now, of course, Republicans, 92.8%. We definitely want to see Joe Biden and RFK Jr. go head to head. Uh, 80.1% of independents do as well. So, We are not alone. Uh, Almost the exact same number of Democrats as independents want Joe Biden and RFK Jr. to debate. Uh, God, 20 points more in the in the Republicans. Uh, This would seriously uh, be just the best show on earth. Uh, I I would definitely tune in to see that. Um, So anyways, um, that's all I've got for you on the Biden crime family and on the uh, the persecution of Donald Trump. But considering the fact that Father's Day was yesterday and I am a father myself and I know that many of you out there are fathers as well. I just wanted to say happy Father's Day to you. And what better way to celebrate Father's Day if you're NPR than to honor all of the pregnant dads out there. Here you see on screen a TikTok of the first openly pregnant black transgender man ever. This, of course, uh, is the operation that NPR is engaging in to convince young children that fathers can get pregnant, that men can get pregnant. Men can't get pregnant, but women who have had surgery to make themselves seem more like men can still get pregnant if they have a uterus. Women get pregnant. Men are the fathers. Uh, They are the ones who uh, provide the sperm to create the baby. Uh, And then, of course, they're supposed to be there to help raise the children in a safe, loving and secure manner. You know, I I just it boggles the mind that um, someone people would want to they identify with the opposite sex, like to such a degree that they would go through surgery to make that happen. But then they would keep an aspect of themselves, which is so uniquely tied to that original gender. So like, you know, somebody who is a man becoming a woman, um, maintaining their genitals so that they can have babies. And then the same with a woman becoming a man, maintaining their uterus and their ovaries. I I feel like those things are in, in conflict with each other because they, they want so badly to be, to be to be seen as a man or a woman. Now, you see a man with a baby in their belly and you know, well, gosh, that must be a woman because men don't have uteruses. They can't give birth. And of course, you know, baby is not going to come out of the uh, junk that was provided to us by the good Lord. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I've said this so many times. I don't begrudge somebody the right to, you know, be who they want to be. But I feel like we're getting gaslit by NPR. We're getting gaslit by the Democrats. We're getting gaslit by the the woke left, trying to make us believe things that we know intrinsically are not true because that's simply not the way it exists in nature. 
Um, yeah. So uh, NPR celebrating the first black trans man having a baby. Um, anyways, uh, happy Father's Day. I hope you had a good Father's Day and uh, hopefully you were there for your children and uh, they did something nice for you. Uh, my daughter got me a planter, which I'm putting air plants in. And then my mom got me uh, a flagpole for the outside of the house. Um, okay. So uh, one piece of information that came out uh, late last week uh, was the offer from Brad Raffensperger uh, to challenge President Trump to a debate on the 2020 election. Now, I think this is a great idea as well, in the same way that I think RFK Jr. would just tear Joe Biden a new one. I think that uh, President Trump would also do the same for Brad Raffensperger. Let's go ahead and listen. Well, maybe it's time that he and I get together. Uh, what I would say is, why don't we all, he and I, go out to the Reagan Library, we'll have a debate. I'll bring a copy of my letter to Congress and I'll bring a copy of my book, Integrity Counts. And maybe perhaps he could bring the reports that he paid for by Simpatico and the Berkeley Research Group uh, and showing what the election results. And we'll debate the issues point by point. Because at the end of the day, I have facts on my side and he doesn't. The only facts that Brad Raffensperger has on his side <clears throat> is that he manipulated the process in Georgia uh, to give the end result that they had previously decided on, which was that Joe Biden was going to win. Uh, if we actually take a look at the ballots, if we take a look at the voter logs, if we take a look at the evidence at the uh, uh, the vote counting places, Ruby Freeman pulling out uh, boxes of ballots, were not at all helpful during their investigations following the events of the 2020 election. I'd say that's a point for President Trump right there. We also have lies told by Raffensperger to the liberal media about President Trump's phone call with Georgia officials in December of 2020. This is that same call that they're now probably trying to get charges pressed against Trump for. Of course, they have to wait for the federal charges. That second bogus Trump impeachment was partially based on a lie about that phone call that President Trump had with Raffensperger, just trying to get him to look into it. <clears throat> it's like, hey, you know, it's like I, I see somebody spray painted your fence with a dirty word. Why don't you just look at your security cameras? To figure out who did it rather than, you know, saying that, oh, it's not really a dirty word or, you know, we're going to blame this person or that person. Well, you can actually look at the evidence. I mean, it's the same with the election in Georgia. There was ample evidence and there may still be enough evidence to prove that there was massive fraud that took place down there. I think that obviously there is. Um, but <clears throat> Brad Raffensperger is a liar. He is a liar and he is a thief. He helped Joe Biden steal the state of Georgia. Uh, we also have Raffensperger's office <clears throat> arguing that repeatedly feeding the same stacks of ballots through voting machines in the dead of night in Atlanta after election reservers were removed from the counting room is completely acceptable. This is Ruby Freeman. Ruby Freeman taking one stack of ballot, running them through once. Taking them back out, running them through again. They said that that was a myth, that that never happened. Okay, what about the water main break? Oh, yeah, that was definitely a myth. That was an excuse designed to get people out of that room so that those people could implement the ballot stuffing operation. Raffensperger. He also refused to investigate numerous instances of ballot harvesters illegally inserting ballots into the drop boxes during that 2020 election. Also, 
He has done nothing to investigate the campaign finance mules that were donating millions to Democrat candidates in Georgia, just not interested at all. Uh, He also refuses to update the Dominion voting machines in Georgia so that they can install security patches on those machines before the 2024 elections. Why is that, Brad? Why wouldn't you want to keep your machines up to date? Isn't that required by the Election Assistance Commission to ensure that your machines are up to date with the latest security patches and features? I'm not saying that Dominion is even going to be putting anything out there that's worthwhile, but just the idea that they're available and you don't want to put them on there. I don't know that that seems fishy to me. So those are some good reasons right there why uh, I think that this definitely needs to happen. I I would like to see Brad Raffensperger and Donald Trump debating on this. All right. A couple more quick things about elections. Um, We finally got a look at uh, signatures in the Arizona midterm election. Now, Garrett Archer is a local Arizona reporter. He's also known as the data guru and oracle of election Twitter. Uh, He is arguably Maricopa County's PR guy. He recently sparred with the Gateway Pundit and Jordan Conradson uh, while calling for his indictment over a tweet exposing Maricopa County's mail-in ballot signature verification fraud. Remember, they had so many signatures verified in such a quick time, there is absolutely no possible way the people who were validating them could have actually been viewing those signatures and checking them against each other. As you can see, here is an example right here. Uh, I don't know if all three of these signatures, voter affidavits, oh yeah, these are voter affidavits for the same voter in 2022, 2020, and 2019. So here is Alexander D'Andrea in 2022. Here is Alexander D'Andrea in 2020, just an A and a D. And then here is an Alexander D'Andrea in October of 2019. These are three different people who are writing these signatures. So just who the hell is Alexander D'Andrea? Now, this man, Archer, Garrett Archer, is famous for defending Maricopa County's shady election procedures. He previously worked as a senior elections analyst at the Arizona Secretary of State from 2016 to 2019. So he worked with good old Katie Hobbs. Uh, Fitz J02 says, so thankful for RP. I am incredibly thankful for you. Thank you very, very much for the direct support. Appreciate it. Now, President Trump uh, earlier yesterday tweeted, they don't go after people who cheated in the election. They only go after people who report on or question the cheating. He's absolutely right. Now, these voter signature verification records that were provided to the Gateway Pundit from the 2022 election and uh, prior through a public records request show and were shown by Jordan Conradson uh, that uh, they basically debunk any of the claims that were made by Garrett Archer. Now, Archer said that the vast majority of signatures used for comparison in signature verification are other handwritten signatures from previous early votes. Now, he said this in an attempt to discredit data from an organization called We the People Arizona Alliance, which has spent thousands of hours doing real-time signature verification on 2020 mail-in ballot signatures. Uh, these are ones that Archer claimed were illegally obtained from the Arizona Senate's 2020 election audit, nothing of the sort. Uh, clearly, the signatures from the 2020 on the affidavit do not match the signatures from 2022. However, it was verified anyways. Let's go ahead and take a look. So Jordan on the on Twitter 
says, ah, I see. So level one would start by comparing these two signatures from the same voter in different elections. Tell me, Garrett Archer, do these signatures match? Alexander D'Andrea. And then just a big A and a D. No. And even the A and the D, they don't match at all. They are completely, completely different form. Uh, looks like Garrett Archer maybe uh, <laughs> He, he was included in this as a uh, a retweet. Yeah, Garrett Archer has people blocked unless you go and click on it right there. Oh, yeah, he has a lot, a lot to say here. Using signatures from voter registration forms, the vast majority of which are digital digitals. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they're digital. Like, they're going to have some points of interest in common. Now, within an hour of Jordan asking this, uh, Archer accused Conradson of committing a Class 6 felony and said that he was told that law enforcement had been notified of Conradson's release of this public record. Update, I'm told this matter is already referred to law enforcement. Now, Stephen Richer, who is a Maricopa County uh, employee, in a now-deleted tweet, also celebrated the apparent referral to law enforcement. Richard tweeted, not the first time the cops have been called on him, likely in reference to the numerous times that election officials like Katie Hobbs have attempted to use law enforcement to try to stop Jordan Conradson. Now, Stephen Richard must have been told that was a bad idea to post that because he took it down. Conradson destroyed Stephen Richer by tweeting a clip from the Gateway Pundit where it was revealed on audio tapes of former Maricopa County supervisors admitting that the 2020 election was stolen, the tabulation software was unreliable, and that Richer agreed with him. Look at that. Let's see if we can go listen to that one. Here we go. I'll tell you what, Stephen Richer, if I'm not mistaken, agrees with me on Dominion. I would ask have him you guys that. talked to him? Um, we have not. I know I'm, that Liz Harris I'm, has. I don't want to say that, but I, I want to believe that coming back from a soccer game a couple weeks ago, we were on the phone, and I said, you know we can't use it. It's like, oh, my God. I would totally support you on that, which would help. To be able to use this software in 2020, I've told that to my colleagues. But I don't hear what it costs. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. You know who's understanding this? After, like, five days of being in office is Stephen Richer. You should have a conversation with Stephen Richer because he'll he'll verify everything I'm telling you. you. He's already frustrated. He's only been in office five days, but they they're globbing on. You, you know, I, I said this to I've said this to Eric several times that some folks always want to be right or they make it about themselves. And that's what my colleagues are doing. Unfortunately, they right. want to listen to instead of. Instead of making the decision for themselves, they just want to follow the gospel truth or whatever legal counsel is telling them. And, right. and I just don't understand it. And, that, and I'm not telling you the honest to God's truth. That's it. And they want to fight. They're mad that they were subpoenaed. And so I remember when this initially came out. <clears throat> and you got to think, what was it that they gave to Stephen Richard to have him change his mind so quickly? You know, he came right into office. He basically inherited a cluster F. OK, and uh, and he admitted that the election was stolen. He admitted that uh, Dominion was a massive problem. And instead of, uh, you know, confronting it head on, he just bent over. He said, hey, Dominion, get right up my ass. Here you go. You can do whatever you want in Arizona. We're going to go ahead and allow it to happen. So I don't know. Stephen Richer either really likes to get bent over by large corporations or he's getting massive payouts in one form or another, allegedly. 
Stephen Richer is allegedly on the take. I don't know that to be certain, but I mean, I would have to guess they gave him something in exchange for his total flip-flop and reversal on all of it. So at the end of the day, we can show pretty conclusively that the election was stolen, that these things uh, were not validated, they were not verified. 2.4 seconds each for signature verification on 33,000 signatures, absolutely not. Of course, Garrett, the data guru, claims that the signature was manually cured. How in the hell is it manually cured, Garrett, if the person manually curing it is taking 2.4 seconds to look at one? That's how long it takes to hit the return button. There's nothing about curing those signatures. No verifications taking place. Oh, oh, Millie B says they have a vid of him and a kid. They very well may. They very well may. Original Clag, good to see you, brother. He says, brother, Clag is here in present. Sorry I'm late. It's okay. I appreciate you joining us tonight, as always. Here's a whole bunch of other examples of uh, signatures from Alexander D'Andrea. Uh, I think there's two new ones here. Oh, no, there's there's more than that. We saw this one. Clearly says Alexander D'Andrea. And then we had that one, which is the A and D. Then we had this one that looks like it starts with a K and a D. And then here's another one, Alexander D'Andrea. Again, different forms on the Ds and the As. Here's another one, totally different. My question is, is Alexander D'Andrea even a real person? Does this guy exist? Or are they using different types of mules every single time for a brand new signature? Because it looks like we're talking about one, two, three, four, five, Six, seven, eight, eight different signatures. Now, this one, the 2013 record right here, and the 2012, those both appear to be done on a digital ink pad right there. Uh, but this is uh, all of the signatures we have for this person. And I don't think that any person of any nominal intelligence can look at these signatures and tell you with a straight face that they match. They just don't match. Now, Maricopa County Elections Director Ray Valenzuela and Maricopa County's signature verification training materials, user level or level one signature reviewers compare current ballot affidavits against up to three most recent historical signatures in chronological order. So that means that they are looking at all of these signatures. And so they would see that these are all wildly different, wildly different. Uh, there, there's nobody who would look at these and say that these are the same. Now, the Halderman report also came out last week. You may remember the Halderman report as the long-anticipated, long-awaited report of J. Alex Halderman. This was in regards to the case up in Michigan. Uh, Judge Amy Totenberg finally unsealed this report. And according to a tweet which summarized the findings of the Haldeman report, it claimed that not only did they find critical issues such as arbitrary code execution vulnerability, but that these flaws remain unpatched. Now, this these findings here are exactly why they would not allow this report to come out in the wake of the 2020 election, because it was so damaging uh, to the case of Dominion and uh, the deep state swamp rats that wanted to ensure that Donald Trump would not be the winner of that election. So this uh, fatal flaw that exists, that is known to the people running these machines, will not be patched until after the 2024 election. Now, 
I mentioned the Election Assistance Commission, CISA, also released a security advisory, and Dominion, in response, created an update to the software. We had Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger being aware of his own Dominion system issues for two years now, 18 months to go until 2024. None of them are planning to patch these vulnerabilities. Uh, In the report, Professor Halderman says that the most critical problem we found is an arbitrary code execution vulnerability, which can be exploited to spread malware from a county's central election management system to every BMD in the jurisdiction. That makes it possible to attack the BMDs at scale over a wide area without needing physical access to any of them. That's a scary thought, and it means that they could decide the election in one fell swoop. Uh, We started talking about security vulnerabilities and systems of the federal and state governments of this nation, and here we are once again talking about same types of vulnerabilities that can be used to spread malware to commit horrible attacks on our election infrastructure. Now, Halderman offers an overview of how the malware can spread throughout a county with that simple access to the EMS system. He also explained in his report how this defeat, how this can defeat the testing of the machines in two ways. One is through hash validation, and the other is through logic and accuracy testing. Remember, we've talked about logic and accuracy testing on a number of occasions. Now, Starting with hash validation, SHA-256 hash validation. This is a method that's used to check on the system itself to make sure it's exactly the same as the system that was installed. So uh, any changes that should be made would return the SHA-256 hash and it would not match the original hash that was provided. So then you would know that somebody had uh, changed the system around. So Halderman says that a maliciously modified app can simply show the expected hash value instead of its real one, thereby avoiding a te- detection. So that means that the system will have been changed. The malicious program will take note of the original hash value. And when you're checking through the hash verification, all it does is give you the one that you think you're supposed to be getting. You match them up. You say everything's fine. It's peachy. This is a fairly sophisticated methodology for uh, compromising these voting systems. The, The malware changes vote data before the app computes the MAC. This allows such malware to add, remove, change, or spoil votes in the QR code while ensuring that the Mac remains valid. That's the uh, address on the device. Now, alternatively, since the secret key that's used to generate that Mac is necessarily accessible to the ICX app, malicious logic and a modified app could use the key to generate valid Macs itself. So this implies that a malicious code installed on the machine could not only alter the votes, but it could do so while remaining totally undetected to testing performed on the machines before the election. So the hash validation test would never know that anything was done. The logic and accuracy test, you'd never have any idea that anything had happened. Is it any wonder why they didn't want this report to come out in the wake of the 2020 election? This is some CIA level stuff right here. This is some high intel level compartmentalized programs that we're dealing with. There's no way that some random person out there on the street, some low-level actor is going to make a program that can be injected into an election machine like this so that they can cause some havoc. No, you're talking about a very sophisticated criminal organization 
probably under the auspices of the Central Intelligence Agency, maybe Mossad, MI5, a number of agencies all across the globe that just could not abide Donald Trump having a second term. Now, ironically, the same state that needs more than 36 months to update these vulnerabilities, that happens to be Georgia, they had an emergency update to perform on all of their BMD tabulators. This is back in October of 2020. Uh, At that time, a display error was found regarding the Senate race in Georgia. So Judge Amy Totenberg reluctantly granted an update to be performed on the machines prior to the election, which was less than a month away. In the case of that upgrade, Professor Halderman testified that the testing of the proposed update was only cursory and that Pro-VNV made no effort to test whether these changes created new problems that impact reliability, accuracy, or security of that BMD system. Eric Coomer from Dominion also testified on behalf of PNP President Jack Cobb that the update would be de minimis, which required less stringent testing than other updates. So take my word for it, guys. It's not going to be anything you need to worry about. I wish that I had that kind of power, just telling people to accept what I'm saying as the honest-to-God gospel truth. Please, just believe me. My name's Eric Coomer, and I work for Dominion Voting Systems. And although I said we're going to stop Trump, we're not going to allow Trump to become president again, I have no vested interest in ensuring that the machines I programmed and that I sold to your city and your state are ever going to do anything untowards. No, that's right. You can trust it all. Now, how do they do it with the logic and accuracy testing? Well, this is that public test that runs a selected number of ballots through the system to ensure that the proper count comes out on the other side. So looking back at the 2020 election in Fulton County, Georgia, they had to delegate the LAT, logic and accuracy test, to Dominion themselves, Because of COVID, because COVID, this is at their English Street warehouse just before the election. That's very convenient. They did this at a cost of $2,000 per hour and $5,000 per hour on election day for a total of $2 million. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Two and a half times the normal hourly rate just for showing up on election day? It's freaking highway robbery. These people, they have created the perfect system where they can grift, steal, and rob the American people, and then at the same time, make them believe that they're getting free and fair elections while they can implement their own their own policy, their own laws. They can put whoever they want to into power. It's disgusting. Our system is so perverted and so far beyond what it ought to be. The logic and accuracy test is meant to show the public that these machines are working effectively, that they're working right. This has been a lot of controversy since in 2022 in Colorado, where we had that uh, the, the race for Mesa County Clerk, Tina Peters, and then a, a number of other individuals, some of whom I interviewed here on the channel. Uh, they had their own logic and accuracy test, and there was a 53% rejection rate in the recounts when they went and did the logic and accuracy test to make sure that everything was fine. And the election officials refused to do a hand recount after they got this outrageous 53% error rate. So now, going back to the Halderman report, Halderman outlines how that logic and accuracy test can be subverted. Wouldn't it have been great to have this information before the 2022 midterm election? Thank God we're learning about it before 2024. This is obviously extremely concerning because this is another method that they can use to completely subvert the system. Demonstration malware simply tracks 
how many ballots have been printed since the machine was turned on. And then it skips cheating on the first N ballots for an attacker configuration number. If Georgia were to improve its logic and accuracy test process by testing with a greater number of ballots, the attackers could simply increase the number of ballots that the malware skipped accordingly. No practical method of pre-election or parallel testing can rule out malware-based fraud, although the QR code contains a cryptographic message authentication code that scanners use to verify its integrity. This poses no obstacle to the ICX malware. So in closing, there is no secure way to implement elections in the United States with any type of electronic voting machines. Certainly, not in the configuration that they are going to force us to have them in for 2024. Because the exact same fraud that was present in 2020, that was present in 2022, will be again present in 2024. You must contact your elected officials. You need to ensure that they have seen the Haldeman report. They need to understand that we cannot afford to have electronic voting machines in widespread use all across the United States of America. Is it an uphill battle? Yes. Yes, it is. But it's a battle worth fighting. All right. We are going to end there for the day, my friends. Uh, I need to get my throat rested for the show tonight. I'm looking forward to doing my, well, I guess I was on a Twitter space in the past. Uh, J2 Dang, thank you again for that cookie. CJM61 uh, said, cookie war. Trump Red Pill dropped a cookie. CJ as well. J2 Dang, Trump Red Pill. EO2 Dave dropped a can. Sean Joe dropped a cookie. CJ with another cookie. Trump Red Pill and Doug Simey dropping two cookies. Filter Dog 1 said, Carrie Zona. Timberjet says, as always, Zach, thank you for all the hard work and dedication to this country. Thank you very much to every single one of you as well. Uh, also, Porpoiseful, thank you for that cookie. Uh, Timberjet said, I'm not sure if my first cookie went through. We appreciate all of you and your fam. Uh, and pet, here's a pet for Muffin. Yes, I, I got it. Thank you so much. And then Porpoiseful dropped another cookie. And then American Patriot, 1776. We all need to be praying now more than ever for God to be cleansing of this evil in our word, world. God bless. Yes, we must pray for a cleansing. And we need to pray that God will use us as instruments here on earth to effect that cleansing. There's a lot of work to do. Alive and Thriving says, Zach, I've seen zero Juneteenth celebrations and the least amount of pride pomp in St. Pete, Florida, a liberal LGBTQ haven in three years, the Great Awakening. Slowly, AF, but surely. Namaste. Namaste to you as well. Thank you very much to everyone. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Good luck. God bless. I'll see you tonight. Don't forget, Twitter spaces also on Rumble. Baseless Conspiracies at 10.30 p.m. I'm going to pass out these gold pills, and we're going to see you on the other I've been side. Thriving says, oh, that, that, I need to make sure that that is muted. Okay. Scratching has been released. Good luck. God bless. We'll see you tonight.